This is the Starkville State of Mind, hosted by Justin Strawn. Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Glad to be back with you after a pretty extended hiatus. Guys, look, I've just been, it's, I've not been feeling it. It's been kind of depressing to talk about Mississippi State sports uh, with the basketball team, but now they kind of recovered here at the end. Uh, obviously, the women's team struggled. We'll talk both about both of them at the end of the podcast. And just kind of let you know, I'm probably going to move this to a weekly format only, trying to do two shows in a week, especially with trying to do this other podcast that I'm doing as well. It's making it difficult, so we're probably just going to move this to a weekly format. I think it works well that way. I mean, kind of recap the things that have took place in the past and then go on and look at the things that are coming up in the, for the following weekend as well. So uh, that's where I'm looking at heading. I think it'll make it a little bit easier for me to get more consistent in terms of getting this podcast actually recorded. And it, this will be the time when I do it. It'll be you know kind of the middle of the week when I am doing the show. So i uh, just give you that little bit of programming note. Obviously, like I said, we'll talk about the women's and, bas- women's and men's basketball team at the end of the program. Uh, we're going to start off, though, with a little bit of a recap of the SEC season so far in baseball and what you can kind of expect when Kentucky comes to town. But before we do any of that, you guys know, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Cherokee Valley Golf Course. If you're a golfer and you live in the greater Memphis area, you're probably just like me looking for the best opportunity for you to spend your golfing time wisely. Well, why not look and check out Cherokee Valley Golf Course? My son and I golf there almost every single time we go out, and it's a great course whether you're a skilled golfer looking for a challenge or if you're a beginner, somewhat like me, and just trying to learn how to play the game. My son and I have been playing there for years, and we would highly recommend it. They've done a great job of keeping the course maintained. It's a beautiful course, lots of wonderful practice facilities, no reason that you shouldn't be out there honing your game. So if you're in the Olive Branch area or in the greater Memphis area, give Cherokee Valley Golf Course a look and go ahead and tell them I sent you. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course. You can call them at 662-893-4444 or you can book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the baseball team. Mississippi State's baseball team is coming off of a very difficult sweep at the hands of the Arkansas Razorbacks, a very disappointing performance by the Bulldogs, a performance that has a lot of people really worried, really frustrated, which is understandable because I think we all thought that losing that series was a possibility because Arkansas is one of the best teams in the country, but I don't know that we all – Anybody really thought that a sweep was going to be what would take place, and in this one of the strangest, one of the strangest oddities that you'll ever see, Mississippi State and Arkansas has been a sweep every year that has been played since 2016. The last time it wasn't a sweep was in 2015 when Mississippi State finished dead last. Amazingly enough, the Bulldogs did not get swept that that weekend, but. It's been a sweep every year since then. Uh, Arkansas has done it, I think, three times, and Mississippi State has done it twice. But this was the first time that, in that same time frame that the visiting team was able to get a sweep. So, uh, look, like I said, I, I don't think it's anything to get too upset about. I don't think it's anything to get too worried about. This is still a good team, but there are still problems. Uh, there are problems that we've seen all year long that really came to a head in this series. Uh, this team 
is a really good pitching team. Mississippi State can pitch among the best in the country. However, the the issue that they need to make sure that they fix and what they've got to focus on is they've got to get some hitting to go with it. They're not so good at pitching that they just simply can't hit. And that has been the biggest issue so far. They've done enough with their pitching staff up until this point, but once they came up against a really good, solid lineup like Arkansas's, they didn't have enough pitching to be able to cover up for the fact that they just simply cannot hit. Uh, look, Mississippi State continue. Look, as much as I'm downing and bashing the hitting, if you ask me, the fielding is a bigger issue because this Mississippi State team does not field the ball well at all. They they really, that's probably if you want to go and say you know they're what's the biggest issue since Clerk Chris Lamonis took over. This team has not been a solid fielding club ever since he took over. That's probably the biggest gripe you can have against uh, Chris Lamonis is the fact that they they don't field the wall particularly well. That is an issue uh, going forward. They have a, nine, uh, a 9.70 uh, fielding percentage. That's not spectacular. You want to be at least like 98.5 at the very least. Uh, they've committed 25 errors on the year, which is kind of a lot. Uh, and the the biggest issue is they've given up hits that shouldn't that should have been outs. They give outs away even when they're not errors. For example, uh, they did this twice. They've done this in each SEC weekend. There's been a pop up between the infield and the outfield that should have been caught, but because they can't seem to communicate with each other, it fell to the ground and it cost them runs both weekends. Now, the first weekend against LSU, it only cost them one run. Mississippi State still won that game in the Friday night against the LSU Tigers, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But against Arkansas, you're up four to one. You have the same thing happen. It scores a run on that play itself then two other you end up with two guys on base now it's a four to two ball game and the very next hitter blasts it out of the ballpark and gives arkansas a five four lead and that completely changed the tone of that game and the tone of that series if mississippi state wins that game and doesn't have that bugaboo you know maybe that series plays out differently last weekend so like i said the fielding to me is the bigger issue yes they need to get back to hitting but by not being able to field the ball by not being able to be a decent fielding baseball team, you're basically neutralizing the best aspect of your team, and that's pitching. So they've got to get better at hitting. I mean, better at fielding. They need to get better at hitting, too. There's, there's no question about that. But, the, I, you know, if I'm going to pick one that – if I can only have one or the other, I'm going to take the fielding because – they're giving outs away. They're giving runs away at this point. And that's and when you're doing that with the pitching staff that you have, you're just neutralizing your your greatest strength. So I want to see that get fixed before I see the bats get fixed. I'd like to see them both get fixed, but if I only had to pick one, I'd pick I'd pick the fielding. Now, is it room for concern? Like I said earlier, no. I don't I don't think it's time to panic. I don't think it's time to get too upset. But let's see how things play out this weekend. Uh Kentucky's coming to town. Look, they've been really good. They're 18-4. and four. Uh, They are 5-1 and one in the conference. So you think, oh, well, gosh, they're, they're playing great. They are, but you also have to look at the level of competition they've, they have played. The team that should have been their biggest challenge, the University of North Carolina, 
that series got ended up getting canceled. I'm assuming it was probably something COVID-related. I don't know that for certain, but that would be my guess. Uh, but for the most part, they haven't played that many really strong teams. Uh, they've played uh, Miami of Ohio. They played Milwaukee. I don't know who Milwaukee is. Uh, Eastern Kentucky, Evansville, Ball State University, uh, Western Kentucky, Georgia State, Murray State, and they started the year against uh, Missouri. They won two out of three against Missouri in conference play. Uh, then they took, they swept Arkan, uh, Auburn. Uh, they swept Auburn all last week. So, like I said, their competition has not been that strong. And it's been even when they've gotten to SEC play, they haven't played the actual, the, you know, the toughest opponents. That's one reason why they're not ranked in a whole lot of polls. Uh, I don't think they're ranked in D1 baseball. Let me double check that real quick. I don't think they're ranked in Baseball America either, but and those are the ones I, I, for the most part, go by. I think they're the guys that have the most knowledge of all of the guys who cover college baseball. So, But let me double-check that real quick. All right, so D1 Baseball. All right, the top 25. Ah, I forget you got to take click on like four or five things to get there. All right, so, yeah, I don't, ah, crud. I don't see Kentucky in D1 Baseball's top 25. Let me go look at Baseball America. Well, it's taking forever to load. Okay, here we go. Oh, crud. That's not the one I want. Yeah, here we go. Okay, finally. So, sorry it took so long. All right, so I'm looking, and I am not seeing... Kentucky. No, they're still not ranked in Kentucky's. Uh, Kentucky's still not ranked in Baseball America's poll. So, anyway, uh, so that's one of the reasons why I think people are kind of holding off on buying completely into Kentucky's. They just haven't played anybody. Look, they're very similar to Mississippi State. They're a little bit better offensively uh, in terms of batting average. They hit the ball a little bit better. Uh, home runs, they slightly better, and they do have a better slugging percentage. Uh, in terms of runs, uh, let's see. Kentucky has 142. Mississippi State has 162. So actually, Mississippi State has actually outscored uh, Kentucky this year, which is a little surprising. Uh, how many games have they played? So State's played two more games, but so not that big of a deal. Uh, they're actually Kentucky's actually pitching kind of close to Mississippi State in terms of like ERA. Uh, Kentucky has a 295 ERA. Mississippi State has a 297. But where it's different is where you get into like the more pitcher dominant stats, where you kind of look at a team and say, "Oh wow, they're completely dominant." Uh, Mississippi State has struck out 316 batters this year, uh, as opposed to Kentucky, which has struck out 234. I think. Yeah, they've struck out 234. So there's a pretty big gap there. They don't strike out nearly as many. I mean, Mississippi State's pitching staff can absolutely just run you over if uh, they are given the opportunity, which a lot of times they've t- taken advantage of it. Um, so 
Mississippi State has that going for them. Also, Mississippi State has a, like a 190 batting average against. Yeah, 190, and Kentucky's batting average against is 221. So Kentucky's been good pitching wise, but they haven't been nearly as good as Mississippi State. And again, you know, we have to look at what's the what's the level of competition that they've done it against. Mississippi State, I think, has had a much has done it against much stiffer competition, and Kentucky has done it against much weaker competition. Uh, if you Just to give you an idea of where these two teams are in terms of RPI, uh, Mississippi State is currently 25th. Uh, they will, Obviously, they want to get that a little bit higher up uh, so they can get become a top eight seed. Uh, in Kentucky, I haven't found them yet. They're at 77th. So, again, that gives you an idea of the – level of competition that the two teams have faced. Kentucky has – their strength of schedule is 208. Uh, Mississippi State's strength of schedule is 30th. So, look, yes, Kentucky's played well, but this is a series that Mississippi State needs to win. Uh, I will at least give Kentucky the benefit of the doubt, and I think they should win a game. But Mississippi State has to win the series. I think they will come out and they will prove that they can do what they're supposed to do. Uh, it would be great if they could get a sweep, I don't, but – Kentucky is playing well. They've probably got some confidence, so I expect them to uh, at least win one game this weekend. Uh, I haven't seen Kentucky starters. I'm going to assume based on uh, that their best pitcher and their Friday starter is Ryan Hagen out. Hold on. Let me see if I can find out who they're starting real quick. Yeah, so it's going to be Ryan Higgin now for uh, Kentucky. They will be uh, – he has a 1-0 record uh, with a 1.00 ERA. Then they will follow it up with Cole Stope or Stoop or Stup. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it. Uh, he's 3-0 with a 147 ERA. And then they'll finish the series off with Zach Lee, who's 2-1 with a 238 ERA. So they've been really good. Uh, obviously, though, they haven't been the picture of record in a whole other uh, games. Let me look at a little bit more. Let me look a little deeper into the stats for. Oh, excuse me. Uh, for all of those teams. Uh, oh, crud. Too many ads. Come on. Let's go pitching, please. There we go. Uh, hanging out, uh, he's made five starts and five appearances. He's only gone 18 innings, so he has an average, little, barely averaged a little over uh, three innings per. Uh, yeah, is that right? Yeah, just barely over three innings per per start. That's just weird. Now, I mean, averaging four innings a start. Uh, uh, maybe they just treat him a little bit differently. Uh, Stoop is a little bit different. He's more typical. He's He goes 30 and two-thirds innings uh, over the course of his five starts. And then, like I said, uh, Zach Lee, he's done a little bit more common as well. Uh, five starts with, in 24 innings. Honestly, it looks like, and this is something that uh, Nick Mingione, the former Mississippi State hitting coach, has done a lot since he's been at Kentucky, he allows his best guy to go on Saturday uh, and pitches his second best guy on Friday. So maybe that's what he's doing in this case again. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of it, it's interesting to see that. Uh, so I guess that's what he's that's kind of what he's done in the past. I guess he's doing it again. So uh, look, I think Mississippi State can win this series. I think they should win this series. I think they are the better team. Uh, yes, they, Kentucky on paper looks pretty good, but again, like I said, they've 
they played a pretty weak schedule. This will be their biggest comp, this, their stiffest competition to, to date. So uh, Mississippi State needs to show that they are the better team, and hopefully they will do so. And I do expect them to win the series. Hopefully they'll take two out of three, and then be able to do the same thing again next weekend against Auburn, and possibly get back to at least 500 in SEC play. If they could get a sweep between um, Kentucky and Auburn, that'd be spectacular. Put you even closer. Uh, put you even put you quicker on the road to recovery than what you were. So, uh, but like I said, just just try to at least get the series win and just uh, see what happens after that. So, all right, let's talk a little basketball before we go. All right, so let's talk men's and women's basketball. Obviously, a lot to talk about with the season wrapping up, in, at least for the men, in the NIT back uh, this past weekend against the Memphis Tigers. The Bulldogs end up finishing second in the NIT tournament, which was – let's just go, I guess, go ahead and do a little bit of a recap for the entire season. I mean, it's a success. It, it is a success. Yes, I know there were disappointing moments. I know there was lots of – points in the season where we were frustrated, where we didn't know if this team was going in the right direction. But when you look at the program as a whole, I mean, it was a success. Yes, they had another disappointing loss to Ole Miss. Yes, they had a very disappointing loss to Texas A&M. Yeah, they probably should have beaten Kentucky at the beginning of the year. If you win those three games, this season looks a whole lot different. Uh, Even the regular season looks a whole lot different. So, they would have probably gone from being a basically you're only getting into the NIT because of the fact that because of the fact that other teams decided not to participate to being solidly into that tournament if you win those three games. That's probably the biggest difference. Look, they don't go to the NCAA tournament, and who knows, maybe if they win those games they have a little more confidence and they win a few other games that they were competitive in. But for the most part this team is success and yes, I'm looking forward to next year. I, Ben Howland should have a good team next year, and he should have a team that's a little bit closer to the 2019 version of what we saw than – I'm sorry, the 2018 version than we have pretty much the entire time he's been here. He's got three guys coming – he's got three guys coming back that he can build around in Iverson Molinar, DJ Stewart, and Tolu Smith. Uh, look, he's losing Davon Smith. I don't know why Smith decided to transfer. He showed a lot of potential. He showed a lot of – Maybe it's because he's not going to get as much playing time with, in all likelihood, both Molinar and Stewart coming back next year. And it's going to take even more time for him to really dig in and get in the starting lineup. That's the only thing I can think of for why he has decided to transfer. Because other than that, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, So maybe maybe that's what he's looking at. Uh, but with those guys coming back, you build around them. You've got some other pieces there. Quentin Post is a good role player, a good piece off the bench. Maybe he can, maybe he can step in and fill in for an apart, a departing Abdullah. Do at least I'm assuming Abdullah do is is departing after this year. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. But it's looking like there's a really good chance that Garrison Brooks, the Mississippi State player that. The Bulldogs tried to get and had him signed. There's a chance he might be transferring, and there's a chance that he could end up coming home and playing with his dad after all these years, uh, after leaving North Carolina. I don't know that that's going to happen. I, I honestly don't. I, that's just There's a lot of speculation surrounding that right now. Who knows if that ends up happening. But, you know, there's talk and there's whispers of that 
taking place out there. So I don't hold me to that. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could. But what's looking more like a possibility or a more likely possibility is DJ Jeffries, the freshman. I'm sorry, not the freshman. Uh, I think he's a sophomore now. Uh, he played at Memphis. And he, he just played against uh, the Bulldogs this past Sunday uh, for the Tigers. He is a former teammate of uh, Cam Matthews. And there's another piece that Mr. State can build around as well. But uh, he's a former teammate, a high school teammate of Cam Matthews. They both went to Olive Branch High School together. So there's he has an, put his name into the transfer portal, and Mississippi State is a strong contender to get him. Uh, supposedly, he's a lot, a lot of people seem to think that he is leaning towards transferring to Mississippi State. So there's lots of things to be excited about, lots of reasons to be positive about the men's basketball program going forward. Look, I know there's been a lot of disappointment in the Howland years. There has been. Uh, I'm not going to try to argue that there hasn't, but for the most part, it's been a successful stint. Look, he had a huge rebuild, and he has gotten it back to maybe not where it was. Well, actually, it's probably closer to where we think it was with Stainsbury. The problem that we have with evaluating the Stansbury era is because he was always like first or second in the SEC West. It didn't really give us a good idea of where his program was in the SEC. It was still like very much a middle of the pack program. And we kind of tend to think that the program was a lot better than it was in the Stansbury era, at least the last few years. Now I will say this up until about 2000, Basically, until about 2005, it was one of the best programs in the SEC. Uh, after the initial rebuild phase that he had to go through once Richard Williams left and kind of getting that program back to where it was after it was decimated after the Final Four team, basically either all went pro or all graduated, except for Marcus Bullard, who got arrested. Uh, after getting that team back, to the where after kind of rebuilding it, they were one of the best programs in the SEC from basically 2002 through 2000, I guess 2007, really. Now that I think about it, no, 2008, and then 2009 hit and they made it into the NCAA tournament. That was only because they had a nice, miraculous run in the SEC tournament in 2010, 2011, 2012. They were very much mediocre, they were a very mediocre program at that time, and that's what it was like when he left it was just wasn't as strong as it had been so uh so basically like i said howland has it back to those levels where it was when stansbury left now the challenge is to get it back to where it was when stansbury was at the height of his career and at the peak of his career as the mississippi state head coach can he do it i don't know I think he can. I mean, he's got the track record. The question is, has the game passed him by? The question is, can he find different ways to win? Because it may not be as easy for him as it once was. He may not have quite the same understanding of players today that he did when he was the UCLA head coach taking them to three straight Final Fours so many years ago. So, look, I, I don't know. He's an accomplished guy. He knows what he's doing. But there is always that possibility that the game has passed him by. I mean, he's in his mid to late 60s. I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but he's, he's getting up there. So, uh, But for the most part, like I said, I mean, this season was a success, even though it had its very, very low moments. Considering the fact of where they got to in the NIT tournament, playing for the championship – and, you know, at one point, it looked like they might even have a chance to win that thing after being down by 13 in 
the first opening minutes and then coming back to tie it and having all the momentum on your side, it, you know, you kind of thought, well, maybe, maybe Mississippi State can pull this off, but it was not to be. So, all right, before I let you go, I do want to talk about the women's team a little bit. Look, as much hope and optimism as I have for the men's team, I don't know that I have a whole lot of hope and optimism for the women's team. They have been hit, they have been decimated by the transfer portal. And I do mean decimated. They've been, lots and lots of folks have left this program. Aliyah Matharu uh, was the most recent one that I know of to leave. They've had a few others. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, Madison Hayes, I think is her name. The, the girl who was uh, all freshman uh, a season ago. Uh, she's left. They, they lost a lot of key pieces to this team. And they're in shambles. I don't know where they're going to go from here. Now, I just saw on Twitter uh, that uh, Jerkayla Jordan, she is a the AAC Freshman of the Year from Tulane. Uh, she averaged nearly 17 points a game for the Tulane, what, Green Wave? I think it's Green Wave. Uh, but she is transferring to Mississippi State, so that's a good pickup. That will replace some of these pieces that are leaving the Bulldogs. Uh, I don't know if it's enough to completely get them back to where we are accustomed to. Look, it's when we go back to regular size crowds, and I'm pretty sure by the time we get to the basketball season next year, we'll be in you know we'll be in full attendance. The whole pandemic should be gone by then. We should have enough people vaccinated, or at least people who want to be vaccinated. Let me rephrase that. And I just don't see, I just don't see there being anywhere close to what we had when Vic Schaefer was the coach. And look, Nikki McCray Pinson holds the responsibility for that. I mean, she inherited a talented program. She inherited a, a program rife with lots of talent. It was in good hands. It, it, she, Vic Schaefer, look, maybe, I don't know why he all decided to leave. A lot of people tend to say that, are trying to say that John Cohen pushed him out the door. I don't think so. If he had left to go to like, some other place besides a Texas-based program, I could probably believe that. But he went to Texas. He went back home. Uh, maybe it was Cohen did something to make it a little bit easier to make that decision. But it wasn't the final. It wasn't the main reason he left. Cohen did not try to get him to leave. He didn't push him out the door. He didn't make it life so difficult. I mean, that, that wasn't the case at all. He gave him a huge extension and one of the highest pays, made him one of the highest paid coaches in all of women's college basketball just a couple of seasons ago. So that wasn't an issue. The issue was he wanted to go back home. And I, I, I get it, but who knows? I don't know. I, I, the women's basketball program is just really frustrating. I mean, because they had become so good. They had become elite. They were one of the best teams in the country. Now, all of a sudden, after just one year, they're very much an afterthought. And it's really sad to see that. It's it's extremely sad to see that. I mean, the most memorable moment in Mississippi State sports history is Morgan William hitting the shot that ends UConn's 110 or 111 game winning streak. That's always going to be the case unless Mississippi State wins a, a national football championship, and I don't think that's going to happen. But that will always be the most memorable moment because of just the gravity of it and who it was and that streak that was attached to it. It's going to come in a sport that we just don't care about anymore. Which is kind of sad, to be honest with you. So, look, I hope Nikki McCray-Pinson can get it worked out next year. I do. Uh, I, I hope that she can get this program back on track. And, look, I don't know that we're ever going to get the fan 
the fan buy-in the way that we did under Vic Schaefer. I think a lot of that has gone, and I don't think some of it, I don't, there's a lot of it that I don't think is going to come back. And if that's the case, this may be the last time I ever talk about women's basketball on this program ever again. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. So I'm, I'm rooting for her. I hope she does it. I mean, everything we saw about Nikki McCray Pinson said she should have been a good coach. So we'll see if she can actually pull this off and get things righted uh, in the 2021-22 basketball season. If not, I don't know how she survives a second after two years. So, all right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up there. appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm hoping to get more consistent. Who knows? It's Like I said at the beginning of the show, this is probably going to become a weekly show. Uh, it's just really hard nowadays to get uh, to get more than one show in a week. So, for, And it'll probably be like this. It'll probably be like a middle-of-the-week type of thing where I do the show. So. All right, guys, like I said, I will try to get more consistent, but I appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, as always, Hell State. Thanks for listening to the Starkville State of Mind.